0: So, um, continuing with James, so this evening we've got James chapter 4, and we're looking at verses 11 through to 17. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it. But sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it. It is sin for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good evening, great to be with you and uh, to those who are watching later online, good evening to you. Let me just pray for a moment. Oh God our Father in these uncertain times, would you help us now as we look at your words together to, to know the certainty of your word and to know the truth of who you are that we may be readied for uh, eternity with you, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So if you have a Bible, um, uh, please do uh, keep uh, it open, Uh, James uh, chapter 4, that would be really helpful. Uh, We're getting to the the back end of James in our study in James, and um, it's getting very exciting. It's getting quite challenging though, isn't it? Dealing with lots of everyday issues how we speak about one another, um, planning for the future, um, getting rich, how to deal with that, staying healthy—all sorts of things, lots, sorts of normal life things, right? And and James is here to help us meet these sub these subjects um, from a particular perspective, uh, and of course, not a perspective that's normally encountered in in casual coffee break that you might have at at work if you're still going to work, um, or online. Um, He meets these subjects um, with a particular thing in mind, and the particular thing in mind is with the view of eternity, uh, the last days. Let's just take a moment to recall the, the context here. James is writing a letter to believers. He talks about brothers and sisters here, sisters in Christ, who are, sadly, they're behaving really badly, You probably picked that up already if you've been with us um, for a few weeks. I mean, verse 4, as we saw last week, you adulterous people. I mean, that is a straight line, isn't it? That's not mincing uh, your words in any way. In in verse 6, he says, but he, God, gives us more grace, gives us more grace, gives us more of his kindness and his love. He doesn't close the door to these rebellious people, but rather he flings it wide because he wants to get them back, because he loves them. And so a really big point that we want to make right at the beginning that we heard last week is that that God's grace is bigger, God's grace is bigger than our unfaithfulness. It's really important to understand God's grace is bigger than our unfaithfulness. Bear that in mind as we talk about this this, this evening because um, it is going to get hard-hitting and we need to remember God's grace. So, verse 6 uh, says, He opposes the proud, but He favors the humble. He shows grace to the humble. And in the end, uh, last week, verse 10, He calls us to humble ourselves Humble ourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And that that phrase, lift you up, is, a, is an exaltation phrase. It's, it's a, a raising up. It's actually speaking of eternity, because we'll all be exalted on the final day. And so this is the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news who brings exaltation, the lifting up of the spiritually adulterous and spiritually rebellious on the last day. The one who opposes the proud, but gives grace and keeps on giving grace to those who are humble before him. So please bear that in mind as we go through these last uh, few chapters. But let me say something briefly, um, uh, just to sketch out where we're going with the last uh few series on James, and you can see it on the screen. Firstly, he gives us three examples of what repentance looks like because of this bad behavior. And we'll look at the first two tonight, and we'll look at the next one, the third one next week. Hannah will come in and talk about um, patient endurance as we wait for the final, uh, the last day. And then I'll come back and we'll talk about pastoral care, really for each of us as, as a community, as we wait for that etern- eternity. So that gives you a bit of a perspective of what's happening over the next few weeks. So let's look at these first two areas of repentance, of turning around that the James speaks of. And I want us to keep three things in mind as we look at them. Keep in mind the Lord, and keep in mind the last day, and keep in mind the bad behavior that's going on. So let's look at the first one. The first example where they need repentance is from slander. You might like to follow along with me. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. That's the bad behavior. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. There's the Lord in view. But you who are, sorry, the one who is able to save and destroy, there's the, the eternal perspective, the last day. But you who are, who are you to judge your neighbor? And then back to the bad behavior. Now, bad talk has been a major theme, hasn't it, all the way through this letter. Um, and let's face it, we do a lot of speaking, uh, and we do a lot of speaking about each other. And it can be incredibly harmful at times. And the key is that when we speak, we're, we're not putting ourselves in the place of God. That's really what James is saying here. We're not to put ourselves in the place of God. He is the judge of all. He alone saves and destroys. Who are any of us to judge a brother or sister, a fellow believer? We do need to make, from time to time, uh, perhaps particularly in the context of leadership, proper judgments, but that's not what he's talking about here. Great care must be taken not to put ourselves in the judgment place of being the judge. Only one lawgiver, one judge, and we are not him. Now, we need slander. We need to repent of that. Now, what is slander here that um, James talks about? The word slander here is really interesting because um, he's actually not talking about lies. The, there's an, actually it's a very different word that he could have used and would have used if he was talking about lying, a different, completely different Greek word. He's not talking about that. Of course, you're not supposed to lie. Um, he's not, uh, not condoning that. But what James is talking about is specifically something much deeper because you can be totally telling the truth, you can be totally correct about something, you can be totally um, right and, and accurate and still be slandering somebody and still be judging them. That's what he's talking about. That's the type of slander he's talking about. And James is speaking about truth in a certain way that, that, um, that doesn't slander. He doesn't want us to slander people, which is that idea of belittering somebody of putting somebody down because you have a knowledge, you have an accuracy, you have something correct. Uh, You see, it's to do actually more to do with the motivations inside us um, for telling truth, because that motivation can be slanderous. Because many people think that slandering or judging means... um, any kind of moral evaluation uh, is is not right at all. You know, we hear, I think, quite a lot in modern, in our modern world, people say you must never judge somebody else's, for the say, for example, uh, um, somebody else's religion. You must never say that it is wrong. Or, or somebody else's, you must never say that somebody else's behavior is wrong. You must never judge or make moral ev- evaluations. And that's not what James is talking about at all here. As an aside, we need to see that those kind of statements are in fact, when somebody says that, they're in fact moral judgments, aren't they? To say you must never talk, uh, make a moral judgment is to make a moral judgment, isn't it? It's the same thing. It's utterly contradictory. You can't make moral, you can't avoid making moral judgments. But what James is drawing attention to here is how You do your moral evaluations. Slander literally means to belittle someone, to put someone down, to talk down to someone. And the word judge means here to condemn. So James is contrasting, you see, what he's doing is contrasting brother and sister with being a judge. Don't act like a judge. Act like family. That's really what he's saying. What's the job of a, a judge? What does a judge do? Well, a judge pushes people away, doesn't he? To to get rid of somebody, to push them away, to repay, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, that sort of thing, to push somebody away. What is the job of a parent or a family member, a brother or a sister? It's surely to restore, to, to bring back in, to reclaim to wake somebody up to see the reality of what's going on. And so we have to ask our questions. When we speak about one another, is that our motivation? Is that my motivation? Is that your motivation when we seek to tell the truth? So are we speaking to one another to build one another up, one another up, or are we speaking about one another to tear one another down? Are you telling the truth to push people away, to be a judge, or are you speaking the truth to redeem, to reclaim them, and to pull them back in as a brother and sister. How do we have, No, we have a judgmental spirit? Here's some things quickly, briefly, just to evaluate yourself. You can do this um, uh, afterwards. You could think about, rec- I would say, the first thing is to assume it. Just assume that you do it. Uh, assume that uh, you may be doing it. How, ask you how do you react? How do other people react when you speak truth about them? Are they crushed, or are they restored? Are they pushed away, or are they reclaimed? Secondly, do you have a habit of fault finding? Does it seem to happen a lot to you? Do you jump in with making judgments? And James says, verse twelve: Who are you to judge? It's the opposite of humility, isn't it? To keep jumping in, to finding fault. Thirdly, do you actually secretly enjoy it? You know, sometimes we do, don't we? I I know that. Do we secretly actually enjoy pointing out people's faults? Uh, Why do we like that? Because we like to be self-righteous, don't we? We like to be, oh, I'm not as bad as that, so that we can feel good about ourselves. So there you are, three very quick things to examine our motivations. But ultimately, James wants us to bring back in view the Lord and the last day. The Lord and the last day. Verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. Reminding us that the Lord Jesus will one day stand in judgment of all of us. He's not only the judge... But he's also the one who has taken the judgment for us, isn't he? So that we could be acquitted, so that we could be restored, so that we could be pulled back into the family. And James has the last day in view because he has the last day in view. That's why he's saying this, the one who is able to save and destroy. So that's the first area. The second area, number two, the second example of repentance is from presumptive planning, presumptive planning. Let's look at this. Verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're in the mist. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. There's the last day in view, isn't it? Again. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. There's the Lord in view that he wants to bring in. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. There's the bad behavior, isn't there? Let me just step back for a moment. Could this be more relevant for us today? It's so relevant, isn't it, as we face the future? Often our plans for the future totally ignore God, don't they? They ignore God's control over our lives and our utter, utter dependence on him. Let's not um, forget uh, the people that James is writing to. They're probably under pressure. They probably have financial pressures and they probably have health pressures. They probably have economic pressures, health and economic and social pressures. The pressure to survive makes them probably preoccupied with questions like, where is the money going to come to feed my children? Where is the money going to come? How can I plan for the future? For my kids, for my retirement, all those kind of things. Those are sort of things that go through my mind. I suspect they're the things that go through your mind. And James goes along and he's saying, sometimes a preoccupation with those things of the future, no matter how basic and important that they, those needs are, can make us careless, can make us careless with the things that we ought to do now. We have no control over our future. We think we have control over our future, but we don't. Isn't that one of the big lessons of this year? We have, we do not have it in our hands, and we kid ourselves to think that we do. We do have responsibility for right actions now. I wonder whether James, um, comments here, um, are echoing back to James chapter two, verse 16. You might, if you have a Bible, you can look at that. That's about where the rich are ignoring brothers and sisters who are in physical, uh, needs in poverty. And they're just being ignored within the church family. I wonder whether he has that in view, that those people were so preoccupied with the future and, and being presumptive about plans and, What's going on? That they forgot to care about the needs of those who were right in front of them. I don't know, it's possible, isn't it? Presumptuous planning needs to be repented from. Now, when um, we lived in Cheadle, up near Manchester, the clock tower uh, had uh, on three sides a clock face and the the, it didn't have numbers, they had letters on the, the clock face. And on, on one side it said, um, time is flying. On the other side it said, trust uh, the Lord. And the last one said, forget not God. I don't know how they got planning permission for this, but they did. I actually think he, he, the vicar then, he totally ignored the planners and just did it. Um, so the, the the last one says, forget not God. How do you feel like when you are forgotten? How do you feel when you've been forgotten about? I know when I feel forgotten about, it's almost like there's nothing worse than that, is there? There's nothing worse than being stood up. To be forgotten is awful because it's so destructive, isn't it? It ignores to treat someone as they should be treated. It's to treat somebody like they're nothing, like they're they're nobody, like they don't exist. There's nothing worse than being forgotten. So what about God? Forget not God. That's what James is saying here in these verses. Verse 13 Let's look at it again, a little bit closer. Verse 13. Now, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go and do this or that, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. What have they forgotten in that statement? God. There's no mention of God in it. And that's what James says in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is not the Lord's will, if it is the Lord's will, we will live And do this or that. You see, to remember someone, to remember someone is to recognize their worth, their inherent worth, that they're a person of substance, that they matter. And what we remember reveals what is most important to us, doesn't it? If we forget God in the, the busyness of life, it shows us that He's not really important to us. And James says that's, what does James say? He says that that's boastful. He says that's scheming. He says that's arrogance. He says that's evil, verse 16. And he says that that's sinful, verse 17. Forget not God. When we do forget him, when we forget God, what are we doing? We're stepping into the very place of God, assuming we can decide what will or won't happen. We, we think we can have control over the future, but we know we can't have control over the future. We, we think that somehow we have enough knowledge and insight about what will happen. And of course, that's really, really bad for us. Really bad for us. And you see that worked out and played out in society, don't you, right now, how bad that is for us. We might think... We might rephrase it things like, listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to the coast for Christmas, spend a week or two there, carry on the festivities and be merry. What would James say to that? Hasn't the past year taught you anything? Why you do not even know uh, what will happen tomorrow? We don't even know in a month's time what will happen. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Forget not God. Listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll expand the business, we'll reach out into the Far East, carry on business and make money, and everything will be all right. Forget not God. Listen, you who say tomorrow today or tomorrow, We'll move to the country. We'll settle it there, away from the big city and the danger of a pandemic. We'll carry on working online, and then we'll get promoted and everything will be all right. Forget not God. Instead, says James, say if it is the Lord's will. Say that if it is the Lord's will. I would like, Lord, to have this job. I would like to have this career, this house, this family. I would like to have these things for my children and for my retirement. I would like to have them. I'm hoping for them, Lord. I'm praying for them. But I am not God. I don't know the future, and you don't know the future. I don't know the beginning from the end. I don't see the bigger picture. God willing, forget not God. James is helping us to see the future. He's helping us to see what might be or might not be. He's helping us to see past everything by keeping the Lord in view and keeping eternity in view, keeping the last day in view. Verse 14. Let's have a look again, a little more closely again. He says, What is your life? You're a myth that appears for a little while and vanishes there's eternity the perspective of eternity the last day verse 15 if it is the lord's will we will live the lord in view there now notice how james changes the wording from verse 13 to verse 15 he says today or tomorrow we'll go and do this or that in verse 15 he says if it is the lord's will get in the lord's perspective We will live. Do you see that? Get the Lord in view first. We will live. You will live. And do this and that. And it's not incidental that he's added that in. We will live. You will live beyond this pandemic. Because you will. If you're trusting in the Lord, if you have him in view, you will live. James is saying, without the Lord, there is only going to be here and there. There's only going to be doing this or that. But with the Lord, there is life. Life in all its abundance, in all its fullness. You can only really live in him first before you start to do this or to do that. So to sum it up, to keep... Keeping the Lord in view, keeping the last day in view, it will help us to, to turn away, to repent from slandering one another, from belittling one another, but it also will help us to repent, repent from being presumptive about the future. Don't be presumptive. Don't put your place, put God, put yourself in the place of God. Forget not God. We need that. God, our Father, we we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for him, for the rock, for the certainty, for the hope that we have in him. The one true thing, certainty about the future, that we know we can face tomorrow because of him. We thank you for that view of eternity, and we pray that you will strengthen that trust in us of your Son, Jesus Christ. And forgive us when we uh, seek to, to put ourselves in the place of judgment over others, to slander one another, to belittle them. Forgive us when we're presumptive about all our plans for the future. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to keep the Lord in view, the one who brings us life. We will live in him. Help us to know that certainty now and live in it as we enter these uncertain times, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.